everyone, uh, friends and family. Thank you guys so much for tuning into Every Day is a Saturday with your host, me, myself, and I, Brian Roof. Hey, guys, we got another great day, another great episode. My next guest, served her country proud in the U.S. Navy, is the writer of the Veteran Workbook and has a support group for younger veterans and trans- uh, transitioning service members called the Millennial Veteran. Let's meet Jenna Carlton. I can get her on. Hey, what's going on, Jenna? Hey, Brian. Happy to be here. How are you today? Hey, can't complain. If I did, I don't think uh, too many care about it. So <laughs> it's a uh, it's a great day. I mean, we're out here breathing and, uh, you know, got the kids off to school. So can't complain, like I said. But uh, let's get to know about Jenna. Let's get to know all about you, where you grew up. You know, what got you to join the U.S. Navy and uh, what you got going on today? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm from the smallest town in Wisconsin, uh, Niagara, Wisconsin. I graduated with 36 kids. Uh, Yeah, super small town. Um, Our whole, it was elementary through high school. So I went to the same building my entire uh, school career. (laughs) And that, that, yeah, yes. And so... It was kind of my reason for joining. Um, I wanted to get out of Wisconsin. I wanted to see the world and I wanted to meet people from all over. And that's exactly what I got to do. Right. So like, I mean, going from a small town and going into the Navy, which the Navy can, you know, travel all over the place. And then you're, you're with a lot of people that had to be definitely a different transition for yourself. I mean, and were you a shy person or were you more outgoing? Yeah, yeah, I was more outgoing person. Um, I just, I like to talk a lot. I think that was one of the things I was voted for in high school was loudest. Um, <laughs> and I, I, so that was fun for me, but, it, and it was really exciting to meet people from other backgrounds because I'm so far up north in Wisconsin. It's, you know, people that have been living there for years or came down from Canada. So it was fun to just meet so many different backgrounds and, and people and why they joined and stuff like that. So like when you guys are just like going out, out and about, it's just like, Hey, Paul, Hey, how you doing, Susan? You know, like, it's just, you know, that's how it is. Kind of when you guys are walking around, like getting trouble at school, the whole town knows what you did at school. <laughs> And my mom was a teacher, so oh. guaranteed it was talked about in the teacher's lounge. <laughs> yeah, man, man. gosh, that's crazy. So let's talk more about your uh, the Navy and uh, what you ended up doing in the Navy and, you know, uh, how long you served and all that stuff. And uh, when did you actually serve? I was in, I joined in 2013 and I wanted to, um, I wanted to go into Intel initially and then I got into some trouble. Um, so my, I couldn't do the whole six year contract and I got bumped down to a four year contract, which was a blessing in disguise because I got to do weather, which was pretty cool. And also I only was in for four years. Um, and so I did weather and it's, it's cool because you're not stationed on a ship. You know how a lot of people get stationed on ships. I was actually sea duty, but I got to float around. So wherever they needed people, they would pull us on ships. So I got to go on a few different ships. I got to go on an aircraft carrier. I got to go on an LHD. I got to go on a hospital ship. So it it was cool to see all the different sides of the Navy by doing that. It was, it was a cool rate. 
Yeah, I gotta say, you know, the ships are something else. You know, like they're they're like towns within themselves. Uh, the only one that I was personally on was uh, the Pearl Harbor, and uh, it was just crazy how big it is. But like we were only allowed to go on certain decks. Like uh, I think for the Marines, it was red, and we could only go on anywhere that the the decks were red or actually I think green because that was like the neutral area. I think the Chow Hall they considered um, green, and there's certain green areas. But if it was blue, they're like you don't even step foot on that. You know what I mean? <laughs> we got lost time on a ship and ended up on accident in the girls' birthing area, and we just. <gasps> oh my God. Turned around and ran, and we are just like, and my buddy ended up hitting his head, running through the ship. You know how their the lips are so small, and you got to duck down. Yep. Oh the yeah. Busting it open, and we ended up having to go to sick call for this pool and go get them stitches. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, you could get lost on those ships real quick, and they told us, you know. We're, you know, we're all trying to go out to like the smoke deck or whatever outside to where everybody's outside and just got lost. And we're just like, oh my gosh, it was like frightening because they were just looking at us and everybody was like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a big fan of when the Marines were on. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not. Yeah, I know. We're probably not the best guest. I, I remember someone telling me that they would just put signs up, like line starts here, and all of a sudden Marines would start lining up because that's all you guys would do on ships is just either wait in the chow line, wait in line for um, showers, or wait in line to get in the birthing or the library. <laughs> so accurate. I'm not even going to lie. That's so accurate. Because the chow hall, for sure, you know, everybody was just like trying to get their super early <laughs> yep yeah clogging all the lines and meanwhile because you guys don't really have a job well most of you are just being transported yeah. so you don't have a job on the ship and all of us you know hard-working sailors we're trying to eat and go back real quick and then we just get in line and it's all the way up to the o2 or whatever yeah i'd get pissed <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know we do piss the Navy off a lot. So especially on their ships, you know what I mean? Like, and I know the rules are super strict too on there. You know what I mean? Like by the, you know, whoever's running the ship, it's just so I know when I was on that our Sergeant was super adamant about us being respectful and not acting a fool. Like some of the other units were, you know what I mean? And, I love my grunt brothers, but those guys are, they can be barbaric as hell. You know what I mean? And they can, they can just be sa savages and so, you know, just be crazy with and not care. But uh, yeah, support units, they expect a lot more out of us in that sense. Yeah. So and, and, and you guys just get bored. You know, I can't blame them um, when you're not doing, there's not much to do on a ship besides work out. Uh, watch movies it's, i, I it's don't know weird though how hungry you get when you're on a ship and i don't know if it's because like i'll tell you as soon as we lost sight of land and they had us go down they had us go down below and get information well you just were you know started like losing it and and then i was like 
living on Dramamine, but I felt like it was making me hungry. Or I don't know if it was just me being out there and wanted to eat, but I was that shit made me hungry. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I wonder if there is something. I mean, and also because you can't just go and and make yourself something. I guess you can if you have a microwave and you want to eat something from the ship store, but it's like you have to eat during lunch or you're not going to eat. So that that that's what actually I gained like. 15 pounds in boot camp because of that. I was not used to eating that often and that frequent. And I was just like, all right, I got to eat. So it's there. It is definitely on your mind and on your site when you're on there. It's all about the chow. Like everything works around the chow time. <laughs> yes. Yes, right. for sure. <laughs> so let's talk about your job and, you know, being doing the weather and stuff like that. That, that had to be kind of interesting and, where were you at on the, were you in San Diego or on the East coast? I was on or, the East coast. So I was out in Norfolk and I was, uh, I did my deployment on a carrier. So we got to go up. I was on the Island up there and that's where our office was. So I could always look outside and, you know, see, see what was going on because some jobs down there, they don't, they don't see daylight at all. So it was nice for me. Um, I got put on night shift a lot because I guess I was talking too much during the day and I was a distraction. So they keep me away at night up in the, the tower <laughs> And um, and I had to go outside every hour to report the temperature, uh, to report the sky conditions and, you know, just take temperature reading. We needed to record all that data. And I did a lot of briefing pilots on what the levels level the clouds were at to see if they could fly. And they would always argue with me saying, it's good. We can fly. Clear us. And I'm like, we can't do that, sir, ma'am. You know, you just got to wait. Yeah. I know that always goes over so well with officers too when you tell them something they can't do. <laughs> exactly. They did not like that, especially I think I was at E4 at the time. Um, they didn't want to hear it from me. <laughs> right. So do you find yourself today like like looking up in the sky and like doing weather stuff mm -hmm. like back in the day or you kind of over that part? Like telling your kids like, well, today it looks like it's going to be partly cloudy and uh, it's currently 68 degrees with a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of lost, I lost a lot of the knowledge I had about weather. Um, but that is funny. You bring up my kids because they, they will like ask me, is it, is it about to thunderstorm or they're really interested in tornadoes. And so that's kind of gotten me like, thinking about it more and looking at the sky conditions and explaining the different types of clouds. Uh, but yeah, I didn't end up going into like a career field with weather or anything. I, I was kind of over it. Yeah, it gets a little, it gets a little too technical after, um, you know, if I would have served uh, another contract, I would have had to go to almost get my bachelor's degree equivalent in meteorology. So uh, yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. Now, did you guys deal with like like hurricanes and stuff like that out, you know, and all that stuff? Because you guys were on the East Coast, so I know there's a lot more, you know, chances of that kind of stuff happening. Yes. Yeah. So there was a, the shore duty was a watch floor and they were always keeping track of the hurricanes. And um, the year before I got out, there was a hurricane that hit Haiti. And that's when I got to go on the hospital ship and I got to, um, 
we were right outside Haiti and it was crazy seas. It was like 10 foot swells and it's a flat bottom ship. So that ship was just rocking. I remember I was working again at night by myself being so scared that some cabinets were going to fall over on me. But that was that was the most extreme weather that I saw. Wow. Yeah. I know, you know, being out on a ship, even one of those big ships, they you could still feel pretty good out there. I remember um, we were just off of the coast of San Diego, and they even had straps on the, the beds and stuff. But at night, you could just hear the freaking tables. And then and if you didn't strap everything down, and of course, dudes left like the tables and the, the, the damn chairs, you know, and then and whoever's on the bottom bunk, get up and go strap those up. You know what I mean? Like, but you could just hear them slamming. It gets pretty, I mean, sideways on those ships. What, what type of ship was that? Well, it was a Pearl Harbor. Uh, I feel like it was kind of, cause what we, what we did too, is we uh, launched LCAX out, out of the back of it. Okay, so some kind of um, carrier kind of like I felt like was it a LHD? I don't know. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure either, but yeah, we like part of what we did is we did a whole we did an amphibious landing. So we did the okay. like launched the LCACs out, and then we had to go. They launched us onto San Diego, and then we just set up like a whole rear area support thing and all that. But uh, oh, cool. Yeah, it was uh, like it was called Colonel Blitz. It was a whole exercise that we did with the Navy, and so uh, kind of like a simulation, which is actually was kind of really good for us since we end up deploying like a like a year later because I was in from uh, 2000 2004. So I went over in 2003 to uh, the Middle East. So we oh, on that ship. No, we ended up. That was we literally just were doing this exercise got done with it and then everything popped off with the middle east so it was kind of like it was crazy wow. all the exercise that we kind of went through right before we did that so it was kind of good training good uh exercise yes yeah but, uh, always yeah, those, be prepared <laughs> no kidding i didn't you know when i joined i had no clue we'd be you know deploying you know so because year 2000 nothing yeah. was going on it just like really chilled in 2001 hit we all thought oh shoot we're on we're gonna be gone they didn't deploy mm -hmm. us until two years later so okay yeah yeah that's when things were really <laughs> yeah wow that that was an intense time i bet it was. it was it was a very intense time because you know the young me was just like wow what's going on you know and then especially when you get orders telling you you're going off to the combat zone. You're just like, wow. And that was an early party. So I got sent out there early and had a, a lot of time to think about everything. <laughs> yeah, really. And how old were you? When I was over there, let's see, because I turned 22 there. So, yeah, I was like 21, 20, 21, 21 when I think we got called out and then uh, turned 22. And I was, that was getting ready to get out. I mean, a lot of guys got stop lost that year. So, what does that mean? Stop loss means that you can't get out. Okay. You yeah. Out of the military, especially if you have the four years active, four years inactive. 
Mm-hmm. The only way you would be able to do it is if you were out of your inactive contract. But so I saw a lot of dudes that were getting ready to get out. Mm-hmm. They're like, nope, sorry. You got a war to fight. Oh, okay. that's funny because I was actually talking to this guy. I was waiting at the auto shop and he was talking about the Vietnam War. He was in, he was a Marine for 30, 30 years. He said he did. And um, he was talking about, he couldn't remember the name of it, but he was saying that people were trying to get out and they couldn't when the Vietnam War came out. That's the word he was looking for. Stop loss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I want to with it because it happened during my time. I, I watched guys have to go and get they got orders as the instead of their you know their papers to get out they got orders to go overseas so that is so scary especially if you have a family and you know you were expecting to get out or maybe you had a job lined up i can't even imagine that stress that would put well, the marines always had a saying in there if uh, they wanted you to have wife and kids they would have issued you them <laughs> oh i believe <laughs> Yeah, that's I've heard that one. <laughs> yeah, so like uh, when you get orders, like, "Well, my kid's gonna be born." Okay, well, your your wife's got them, right? You're like, oh, you know what I mean? Like that's how it was for a lot of guys. I know a mm-hmm. lot of guys who missed out on their child's birth or a large portion of the first year of their life because um, duty called, man, and then it was time to go. Exactly. That's that's why I I made my husband get out. Uh, and I was just like, because he had already had a daughter and, you know, he had shore duty and then he was thinking about reenlisting to go to sea duty. I was just like, nope, I'm not doing so, this. That, so you're okay. So you married someone who's in the military as well, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah. He was Navy. Uh, as, well, okay. Yep. Yeah. And he did. He got out after eight years. And um, that's when I was like, all right. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, it is rough. I mean, you know more than anybody being in the military. You know, so being the spouse of someone who's in, you know how what all that transpires to, especially whenever they get orders sometimes, especially in the Navy. Was he on the ship a lot or no? Yeah, so when we met, he was on sea duty and then I got out and then he got orders up here to Maryland where we are now. And he was on a carrier his whole first enlistment. He did two deployments. So yeah, he I was like, there's no way. Do you really want to go back to a ship? Um, and he's like, you're right. And he was actually about to reenlist. And then the day before they took away the bonuses for reenlistments. And I was like, it's a sign. Just don't do it. Like right. it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. Even even the money sometimes it's just not. A, it, it sounds great, you know, when they flash that money at you. And then when you're in the situation and the money's gone, you're like, well, <laughs> yep. Well, was that good or not? You know. But yeah. uh, well, that's crazy. And so he uh, got. He's out now, and he's. Got a job and stuff too now, and that's cool. Yeah, and and he was he got lucky. So as soon as he got out, he was looking around the base. He because he he worked there, and he went into this office because he had to. And it was um it was a tunnel where they test um different types of ammunition or whatever they do. And he was like, "Hey, how would I get a job here?" And they were like, "Well, you're lucky because we're hiring." So he got he was able to get a job right away. And it was really good pay. 
uh, and he's been going to college. So it took him seven years. And he, was it seven, nine years it took him and he finally graduated this year. So now he's oh, doing yeah. what he loves. Um, right. he, yeah. And he works with uh, environmental science. So yeah, good for him. Shoot. Yeah. Uh, well, that's that. Man, I appreciate both of you guys for serving. I mean, my gosh, you know, uh, I, you know, I'm sure your daughters are definitely learning about the Navy stuff, huh? I mean, <laughs> or do you guys kind of, you guys kind of disconnected from that life and stuff? Did you get, you guys obviously met through the Navy? I mean, being yeah. in the unit. Yeah, he was on the ship with me, and I didn't meet him until the last port visit, and um, I just kind of we were all at this party and we were like at a, at a bar and it was really there were so many people in there because it's a whole ship that's on this little town in Greece and i was like let's go outside and me and my friend and him went to another bar and we walk in and these there was a whole british football team sitting there and they whistled at me and my girlfriend and he like yelled at them. He was drinking. He yelled at them like, hey, leave the, those girls alone. And they just came up and knocked him out. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so hey, he, okay. he. This is he good. Had, <laughs> yeah. He had a black eye. He was bleeding. His friends came and got him and, and hit him because you could get in trouble by shore patrol for fighting. And we just. I didn't even get his last name or anything. So I didn't see him the rest of the deployment. And we came home about six months later, we were back in the States and I was at a going away party for a mutual friend and I saw him and we've just been together ever since. You're like, you're that guy that got knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the girl that you were talking. <laughs> the reason why. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Wow, what a crazy story. And what's even crazy is you guys just making, you know, connecting again. You know, that's crazy. It it really was because he was, um, you know, after that, he ended up, he was married and he was going through a divorce through the deployment. And then he was dating someone else and I was dating someone else. But the time we met, we actually were both single and it just, it just worked out. It was God's timing. That is awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. What a story. What a story. <laughs> yes. What a yeah. story for the daughters one day. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, we met. Uh, well, let's uh, switch it up a little bit and start talking kind of about what you got going on now. Yeah. So when I got out, um, I started going to school and I'm in the D.C. area. So I was like, all right, I, I'm interested in politics. I love um public affairs, anything like that. And um, so I did an internship in Congress and I did one, I did it at the House Committee on Veterans Affairs. And it just really got me passionate and opened up my mind to all of the all of the things that are going on in the veteran community and all the veteran politics, how much we are affected by policy and whatnot and how how that works, how it's created. And I I wanted to go that route. I wanted to be an intern and then end up working for an office, but they don't get paid well. And I was kind of discouraged by just the politics of it and how people would rather argue than put 
the veterans first or, you know, stuff like that. So I came home and the pandemic hit and I just wanted a way to reach out to my friends and help them and see how we could, you know, share resources and information on benefits. So I just threw everybody in a Facebook group. And now that Facebook group is called the Millennial Veterans and it's just kept growing ever since. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, so inside that group, uh, what do you guys kind of uh, do? So we have a few different chats and you can, um, there's a benefits chat. There's a give and get support chat. If anybody's feeling, you know, just need someone to talk to and somebody's awake. We always have people reach out at about one in the morning and someone's like, Hey, I'm awake. What's up? Uh, we have a sobriety and recovery chat for those who are trying, you know, to, um, quit a certain substance or just get a better handle on it, which, you know, a lot of us veterans have dealt with or are dealing with. And there's a, um, I'm trying to think what else chat. Oh, I think that's my older link. Well, this, oh, right here on here. Yes. I think that's my older link. How did you find that? This is on your, uh, when I looked it up, it's your is flow it on, page. I, it, this was on your Facebook, I think, and then it brought me to this flow page. Oh, man, I got to update that. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you're good. Well, hey, at least we got it. Now we know. Yes. Yeah, I wonder if anyone still tries to sign up on that link because <laughs> I don't even have it. <laughs> uh -uh. Yeah, and so... um. Uh, we have a lot of daily questions and questions are really special to me because I, I do a lot of journaling and I like to do prompts and just help me reflect on everything. And that's how I eventually came to the creation of the Veteran Workbook, which is a tool to help you reflect on your service, plan for your future, recreate structure in your life, and just kind of figure out what you want in this next chapter of life. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Well, that's the flow page that you can go on. And then veteran, let's talk about the veteran workbook. All right. Let me bring that up. Yeah, it's available on Amazon. I made it as cheap as you could just because I just want the most uh, veterans to get their hands on it. And it's a great, it's great for anyone who's either about to get out or who's gotten out. I wrote it. So it doesn't matter how long it's been since you've transitioned or how long you served. I think everyone could relate to it and get something out of it. And, and just kind of, I think it's fun to reflect on your service and figure out what, what has changed because when we get out, we're always like, what's next? What are you doing now? Uh, what what's your career now instead of wait, what did you just go through? Um, how has that changed you in terms financially? What well, what are you doing about your health care now? All these questions that you really need to stop and consider. Um, and and yeah, I've gotten a lot of good feedback on it. We're actually doing a challenge right now in the group if anybody wants to join where we're just going through the workbook daily and kind of talking about it with one another. It's, it's pretty cool to see how honest some of these people are with their questions because we get pretty deep. <laughs> nice. Well, that's good. I mean, it's good to be transparent. You know what I mean? There's so much we can learn from transparency. 
you yes. know, and people telling their stories and, 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 you know, cause it, and sometimes we're not always proud of our stories, but like I said, there's so much you can learn from other people. And I think that so many times that we find ourselves not talking about it and that's great. This sounds like a way of kind of ice breaking the situation as well. Cause I mean, I've been able to, um, be on the contagion effect show with, uh, Mike and, um, Eric, and we've gone through, you know, they've gone through the workbook I've joined. And, uh, one time he was asking questions through the workbook and we were kind of working through it as a group. So it was, it was making us have to think, you know, and think about things that you don't normally think about. So I did like that part. It's, it's, it's definitely a great guy to bring out things that you that probably want to talk about, need to talk about, don't know how to talk about. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love those guys. <laughs> they surprised me when I came on with asking questions. And, and, and yeah, I love how you said it was an icebreaker because it, it really is. And, you know, it took me years to be able to talk out loud to someone else. So I think this is a great way to be able to talk to yourself about it and just kind of find the words yourself. And then maybe you'll feel more comfortable to talk to someone else about it. And I mean, you know what, it, it, it think it's a good thing to challenge yourself to talk about things, you know, because there's a lot of us that don't want to or we want to. A lot of us were taught not to talk about things or to kind of departmentalize it or what, what do they say, compartmentalize it, whatever the heck I can't use the word. But, you know, we, we definitely put it in a different file and, and don't, really, you know, just kind of put it there, you know, versus kind of go through it and, insert, you know, something I've kind of learned through the whole podcasting world is, is learning to start talking about it, be more transparent, you know, especially in the men's world where guys have a hard time saying good job to each other, you know, commending one another or just, you know, things of that nature. We, you know, sometimes we see, we see our brothers and sisters doing a great job, but the pride in us or whatever can't say great job. I love it, man. You're doing good. Keep on going. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I think that we're trying. I'm trying to get to that level and starting to try to break that ice with a lot of people as well through the podcast, because I think we need to change that a little bit, you know. And and it will help our younger generations as well. Let let them know that it's okay. we got to find that that good happy medium of, of how to deal with our feelings because you can go really far one way and real far the other way either way if we don't deal with it properly. Yes. Yeah, that's so true. And it and it's hard. Actually, podcasting is such a great way to bring that out of people and have these long form conversations and really get all sides of a story or emotions of a story. So that and that's it's a great way to connect with people too. And you got you gotta be honest. And if you're gonna be going on a podcast, you gotta be vulnerable and and be yourself. Otherwise, people will just see right through it, and they won't they won't really um, connect with you, right? Exactly. And I think that's you know what we're all looking for. And and I don't know. It's I think so many people in general feel that they got to be a certain way, act a certain way for people, you know, instead of just like, hey, love yourself, be yourself. Because, I mean, I think the most liberating thing is in the world is when you start to live for yourself, you know. And I'm not saying be selfish, like, you know, such a way, but I'm saying live for yourself 
because now you're going to be better for everybody else as well. You know what I mean? You got to make that time for yourself, you know, but so what inspired you to write the veteran workbook and stuff like that? What, what kind of just brought you there? Like, you know what? I need to do this. And you know, this is the way I want to do it. And what kind of brought you that whole, whole circle? I had been doing vet chats for, I think two years then. So I've, I have people on IG live every Sundays at nine. And I was noticing the same kind of patterns that people were struggling with through transition. So I started writing down ideas and kind of, you know, that would bring me to questions to ask in the Facebook group. And I noticed what ones they were most responding to, what really brought out a lot of either emotions or other talking points, because a lot of things led to another. So I wanted to make a journal and put them all together and just help others uh, reflect it and, and help the veteran write the story. That's great. So now yourself, did you deal with a lot of mental health? I mean, you know, like PTSD and stuff like that, getting out and, you know, has the workbook help you deal with all that kind of stuff as well? I mean, and start to, you know, work through things that maybe you have gone through? Yes. Yeah. I'm doing the workbook myself. And it's funny because I forgot I wrote some of that stuff. I'm just like, oh, wow. Like, all right, I guess I got to go here now. Because, you know, writing it was, it was fun to ask the questions, but actually answering the questions, it's like, okay, here we go. Let's go down this path. And I was in such denial for a long time, especially through my military, um, while I was in the service. And so it now I feel like I'm getting to that point where I can be more honest and and I have to be more real because I have three little girls that are looking to me and they're they're, you know, I don't always have to be strong, but I always have to try to be the best I can. And by doing that, sometimes you have to admit that you're not perfect, you struggle, you have issues, but you can get help. And it doesn't mean that you're weak or not a good mom because you need help. It's it's normal and you're not always going to need the help. So, you know, it's it's just, it's helped me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got to be advocates for our children and 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 be able to teach them and educate them things, you know, and that sometimes uh, we have to be transparent and, and come to realizations about our lives and things we've gone through, you know. Um, and I think, you know, each generation owes it to the next generation to give them a better world, you know. And so I think it, it's in our due diligence to educate our kids and talk to them, you know. Back in the day, a lot of it was go figure it out on ourselves, mm-hmm. which, you know, to a degree, that's okay. You know, because you do got to go out there and learn on your own. But what better way to uh, go out there with a whole set of tools in your toolbox than go out on your own? You know what I mean? So why we got our children and we got them under our wings and stuff like that. And there are kids. And, you know, because once they leave, they get their, they become their own and do their own thing. But why mm-hmm. they, we have them, it's best that we try to give them as much tools that they can get, have. So when they get into those situations out in the real world, they can be like, oh, you know what? They told me this. And this is, you know, maybe it gives them a conscience when they get into the situations, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah, that is that is so important because you don't want you want them to still go out and make mistakes and figure things out on their own. But you know, they they'll still you can still give them tools and give them that form of communication and show them healthy relationships and healthy friendships and healthy dependence on things. So yeah, that that's really cool how you said that. I like that. Well, I really enjoy my watching my daughter grow into a lady like she just she just turned 19 yesterday um and so she is she just makes me so proud in how she carries herself you know she was home during the summertime uh she had summer break and a lot of her friends aren't you know like off to college a lot of them are still home and you know doing their thing she wanted to kind of reconnect with them and stuff like that and i think you know she just realized a lot during the summer break about herself, about her friends, about just, and I, I just, the decisions and stuff that she makes, it just really impresses me at her age that she's so uh, responsible and like, doesn't want to go party. Cause I know like at her age, you know, <laughs> I was like, where's the clubs, you know, like, give me a fake ID, you know, yeah, like, yeah. you know, we're going to TJ this weekend. Like, you know, you know, I was just, you know, having a good old time. But I see my daughter, you know, 19 years old, and she's just very headstrong. And, and she's, she's, I feel she makes me proud because there's things that I see her doing and choices she's making. I'm like, she reminds me of me now. Like, you know, it's just good. It's, it's fun watching her do, you know, make some decisions and you, and even my wife's like, gosh, dang, she's really becoming like you. I was like, not a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. make sure you make sure you tell her that you're proud too. I'm oh, sure I you always, do. Absolutely. I actually texted her yesterday. I mean, I always give her a hard time when, you know, she's home and, and staying with us. And, but, you know, once she leaves out the door, it's an automatic, I miss her. And I'm like, ah. And I, you know, it, the other thing, the realization with her is, is, um, I felt like this past summer, cause it was her first year of college. So she had her summer off. Now she's on her second year. I feel like the second year is going to get way more busy. I don't think she's going to have a summer like she did this last summer. Mm -hmm. You know, she got to kind of come home and enjoy her time. She did some babysitting and stuff like that to earn a little bit of extra money, you know, cause that's another thing. She's just, you know, she's a hard charger. She's out there doing it. I mean, she's, She's taking advantage of the, um, you know, being a, a veterans, you know, kid. she gets help and stuff for the VA and stuff. But um, a lot of stuff she's got to do on her own. And she's out there always wanting to get herself a job and, you know, managing. She's trying to go into medical, too. So that stuff's just like, Ooh. but yeah, but I'm just saying, you know, it's it, it, it's it's nice when you see your kids and you kind of give them some toolbox and now they're out there being adults and mm -hmm. you're watching them make decisions it kind of makes you just feel proud like ah yeah all right cool you know like she's taking good of the and then i got other kids out there that just take my tools and throw them out and you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully they'll gather them up later you know but you, know, you just never know personality between kids it's you can raise them all the same way but their personalities can take them in different paths and directions Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm I'm scared about that because, you know, I'm always worried one's just going to be like 
Ah. <laughs> but what age span on there? What, how old are they all? So my oldest, she's my stepdaughter. She's eight. And then I have a five-year-old and then I have a two-year-old. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got the span. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they're they they're, well or they fight often. They get along really well. And especially right. um, my stepdaughter, she comes every other weekend and sometimes longer in the summer. And they just adore her. You know, they, she is yeah. their role model. Yeah. Big sis. Yes. Yep. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm All right, so Jill, grateful. Is there anything else you want to share with us? I think that's it. Um, if you're interested in joining our Facebook group, um, also Instagram, that's where I'm most active. I post a lot of um, stuff over there. So, so yeah. All right. Cool. Well, uh, like I said, I appreciate you coming on, sharing your, your experiences with us and uh, ran into nothing but technical difficulties this morning, but uh, <laughs> got through it. Gosh, dang. You know, if there's a will, there's a way we get through it, right? <laughs> Hell yes. Uh, all right. Well, uh, like I said, I appreciate you coming on and taking the time talking about your experiences, talking about your the workbook. Um, I'm definitely going to share this with everybody and get it out there. And hopefully we'll have a whole bunch of people with a veteran workbook in their hands. And uh, I know I'm going to pick up a copy and check it out myself as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. It was so much fun chatting with you and um, coming on and sharing my story. I really appreciate you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, wait, one more thing. Now, do you are you planning on writing any more books? You know, or you know, is is, can we expect anything coming out in the future? I wanted. I'm sorry, I didn't ask that. Now I was thinking about it because I was like, I'm going to have you probably on again, and hopefully we'll be talking about another book or something. What do we got? Yeah, yeah. So you know, I already have a few outlined for the second one, but I'm I'm really gonna focus. I got to give this one at least two years, where I can focus on it and maybe really make it bigger and and get it out there. But but yeah, I love writing, so I'm already starting on the second one. <laughs> oh yeah, see, yeah. Once you start, man, it's like you can't stop, right? <laughs> it, it's a healthy addiction. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, cool. All right, well. Uh, Thank you once again and uh, enjoy your uh, day and have a great week. Thank you. You as well. See you, Jenna. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right, friends and fam. Well, that wraps up another great interview. Uh, you guys go check out the veteran workbook um, on Amazon. Let me show that once again. I will uh, see if I can share that with you guys. There it is. Go check it out. Paperback. You know, it is only $9.99. Come on, that's nothing. And uh, who knows? You know, I, I've gone through a little bit with um, Eric, and there was definitely some questions in there. I was like, wow, that really makes you have to think about some things. So uh, definitely something really cool to go check out. And also, if you're interested, check out her uh, Facebook, uh, The Millennial. Um, let me see what it's called. The Millennial Veterans. Uh, make sure you go check that out as well. And uh, till next time, guys. We'll see you all on the flip side. Urgh.